Welcome to the Midtown Church Weekly Podcast, hosted by lead pastors Cassie and Alex Barron. Midtown Church exists to reveal the kingdom of Jesus together in Kansas City. This podcast explores ways in which we can become more like Jesus, reveal the places he is already working, and ultimately renew the reputation of the local church. Well, thanks for joining us for the Midtown Church Podcast. My name is Cassie Farron, and I am your co-host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Farron. Hey, everyone. He is uh, my co-pastor and partner in crime. Barista extraordinaire. Yes, I think we mentioned that on last podcast. He makes the coffee in this house, yes. and he's pretty great at it. Yes. Um, but yeah, we're excited because today we're joining you to talk a little bit about habits. I do want to mention, you know, we've done a lot of talking over mm-hmm. the course of the last several episodes. Yeah. Uh, our goal is we're, we're excited to be able to bring in some guest speakers. And so you'll be seeing more of that in the coming weeks, uh, just hearing some different perspectives from people on topics that really matter to us as a church and a community. So, But today we are actually wrapping up our four-part mini-series on how to become more like Jesus. Yep. Uh, so the last several weeks, if you haven't listened into the podcast, we've been talking about um, how we become like Jesus primarily through the ideas of stories, loves, and habits. So we spent the last three episodes kind of talking through um, how we become like Jesus, introing mm-hmm. that conversation in this, the mini-series, and then talking through what stories are and what loves are. So um, if you haven't listened to those, I would encourage you to do so before listening to this podcast. Yeah, this one would be very confusing. Yes, it may be a little confusing if you haven't listened to the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those of us that have slept in between listening to podcasts, um, I want to give just a little bit of a summarization of stories and loves and then kind of begin drawing that connection and segueing into our conversation about habits. Um, so stories, just a little bit of a recap, are those organizing principles of our life. Um, they really help us understand that the stories we tell and we experience mm-hmm. actually create meaning in our lives. And um, that principle is actually a researched theory um, that we study actually in communication um but in other fields as well when we say stories we mean the the meaning making narratives of our life yeah the things that help us make sense of the world yes um and so these stories many of the times they don't align with the story of jesus and so part of spiritual formation and intentional formation and spiritual growth is saying how do i begin to get my stories to align with the story of Jesus. How do we begin moving those stories there? Uh, The second thing we talked about was loves. And those are the things we worship as a result of the stories that we tell ourselves that we incorporate into our lives. And so I'll use uh, an example to kind of illustrate this point for us. You know, we have the story of beauty, right? Specifically in our Western context, uh, it's a story of thinness, right? Beauty equals being thin. Mm -hmm. And that is the story that we are taught from a very young age by the commercial commercials that we watch um but even the things the that maybe are barbies yeah the shape of barbies the things we interact with yep. and maybe even the things that our parents tell us or friends in elementary school uh, we learn that thinness equals beauty so as women that means we love losing weight 
Like that is the love that we have. We love to lose weight. And love so the way you look. Yeah. And love the, weight. yeah, love the way we look after yeah. we lose weight. We don't maybe necessarily love the process of losing weight, right. but we love the way we look right. when we're thin. So yeah. to connect this to the kind of the thing we're talking about later today, the losing weight is a habit that we will undertake by for the crash sake, diets. yeah, for the sake yes. of or by exercising or all of those things. And those are some of those habits then that we begin incorporating into our lives to transform, to make that love happen, Mm -hmm. right? That love of being, of being thin to ultimately justify the story that we are told. And that means that is that thinness equals beauty. So all of these concepts are interrelated, but it's really important to kind of pair them back because we begin to understand like why we function the way we do as human beings right mm-hmm. and unless we really understand that there's no hope of being able to change that or transform that yeah um so much of what we love or we worship is justified by the stories we tell mm-hmm. and if we realize that those stories are inherently wrong we can't justify our loves anymore Right. And if we can't justify our loves anymore, we can't justify our habits. Yeah. And that's kind of what we began hinting at at the end of uh, last week's podcast episode is this idea um, that, you know, we have habits that ultimately form what these loves are in our stories. For sure. So um, that being said, we want to talk a little bit about habits today. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Alex, why don't you start us off by just kind of defining what habits are and what those yeah. look like in our day-to-day life yeah when when habits are used in the kind of common vernacular in everyday life typically we we talk about bad habits mm. you know like smoking biting our fingernails <laughs> like hitting the snooze button there are these kind of these things that we just do that are mm. unhealthy but when we're talking about habits we're talking about the patterned behaviors that mm. happen every day um, if you want to know what your habits are like just reflect on your day what are the things that you kind of unconsciously or consciously engage with day in and day out easy one everybody's first thing that they grab in the morning is is their cell phone cell phone and what do you do that first second of the day before your brain is awake before um you've had your first cup of coffee like that's that is a habit that is something that's been shaped and formed over time yeah. um and so it really it really speaks to the behaviors and the actions that we do day in and day out yeah yeah i think it's a really important to realize that we have like good habits and bad habits whether they're consciously recognized right. or not whether they're like intrinsic or extrinsic like yep. whether we know they exist or they don't and so one of i'm currently reading through the liturgy of the ordinary by tish harrison warren and she actually talks about that very concept this idea of like one of the habits that we've incorporated in our life is picking up that cell phone immediately when we wake up. Mm-hmm. And so she was actually challenged uh, during Lent. She, um, instead of picking up the cell phone, she decided before I do anything, like even pick my cell phone up, I'm going to yeah. make my bed in the morning. Yeah. And through the making of my bed, I'm going to begin reflecting on like how God enters into my ordinary everyday life as simple as like making my bed in the morning. Yes. And so it's this idea of like she replaced a bad habit with a good habit or Mm -hmm. like a bad rhythm maybe is a good way of saying it with a healthy rhythm. Yeah. I I think, you know, related to this as as it pertains to Christians, 
so much of our life and our following of Jesus is lived in those habitual spaces, if that makes sense. Like the way in which we interact with one another in, in so many ways is habitual. You know, how I, how I interact with you as my wife is oftentimes patterned and rhythmed and habitual so much so that we don't even have to verbalize or talk about our next step we're just doing it together yeah Yeah. so when we talk about following jesus we all that idea comes preloaded with lots of ideas about how we behave Mm. and the actions that we take and really maybe what we should say is following jesus is a series of habits and patterns and behaviors that should be evaluated and should look like Jesus. Um, you know, I'm forgetting where I, I found this, but there's kind of this story of, of someone being asked at the um, train station, like, are you a follower of Jesus? And their response is, why don't you ask my, my neighbors, my wife and my family, yeah. and I will stand by whatever they say. So it, this is to say that our actions and the outwardness of our life yeah. are our habits and the way in which those things are lived can are you know how well we're following jesus yeah you know i mean habits in and of themselves that's not like a new concept to the church like loves and stories maybe um but habits for sure are something that we integrate day in and day out into like church life Mm -hmm. in 21st century western church culture um tell tell us or talk a little bit about how habits have played a role in the current church culture and climate and whether that particular role is like helpful or not, or yeah. getting us towards real, true, spiritual, intentional growth and formation. Yeah. So one of the reasons why we have talked about the interconnectedness of stories, loves, and habits is because it is so holistic. It's approaching us as humans, mm. not simply as the combination of habits, but actually as thinking beings, <laughs> yes, thinking beings who can rationally change everything about ourselves. Because if that were the case, we wouldn't have bad habits. No, like we if, would be perfect. If we were fully, if we could just think it. Yeah, into if existence. we were fully rational beings, none of us would have bad habits. But we We'd also be robots. We would also be robots. Yeah. We would be going through a program. Yeah. But the reality is, we are a you know messy collaboration of stories yeah, loves and habits beings, yeah so the church often i think maybe where we get off a little bit is we begin with habits mm-hmm. with with zero reflection on either the stories or the loves so typically in the pastoral context someone will come and say i have this bad habit name the sin name the issue name it it's it's there it's this yeah. habit and so typically the conversation is okay let's just let's let's stop just stop doing that just stop doing just it i'll check in it. with you like once a week yeah. we'll see if you're yeah. still doing we it. Yeah. we introduce accountability we introduce yeah. new Which are habits good things. again all good things yeah but and probably still what you should do right right but we fail to really get at the heart the the story yeah. and the loves of what's going on um we also talk about you know faithfulness being faithful in the big moments of life um, you know, how do we make sure when we face turmoil or challenge that we remain rooted in Jesus and our Christian faith? And mm. I think an example from the life of Jesus is really telling at the Garden of Gethsemane, especially in, in Luke's telling. One of the unstated facts about that setting that we being, you know, 2000 years removed, don't recognize is that the Garden of Gethsemane sitting on the Mount of Olives 
to the west of the mountain was this well-known wilderness where anyone trying to escape the occupying like police forces that's where they would run because they knew they couldn't be found mm, yeah. so we have this setting in which jesus on the night of his arrest and betrayal is kind of sitting on this middle ground with looking out at his escape plan <laughs> looking out i don't know if it like he's like going you know i could do this but it's very the much the, tempt- the temptation yeah. has to be there yeah. he's you know the author of Hebrews tells us he was tempted in all ways. And and like that would 100% be a temptation in my mind and your mind and all of our minds. Yeah. Like I could escape this suffering by just simply going over this mountain, just walking down. It's a downhill yeah. walk and then escaping to the wilderness. That temptation was right there. Um, but his, his famous words, not my will, but your will be done. Mm. Something really significant in, in, the Lucan telling of Jesus's life is that I believe it's nine times Luke says that that moment. Yeah. Prior to that moment, nine times Jesus is described as going off into solitude, into the wilderness to pray alone with his father, Mm. father, not my will, but your will be done. That couldn't have been the first time he prayed that. Mm. Um, If you look back over the trajectory of Luke's telling, you have to see like Jesus is constantly praying that prayer yeah. and it's in that habit, in that that ritual, in that rhythm that Jesus is preparing himself for the big moment. Yeah. He's preparing himself for the moment of great temptation by taking the mundane moments to prepare for it. And yeah. so I think where we kind of get it wrong is we we don't prepare for those those big moments of challenge mm. by actually creating those habits that will allow us to stand. Um, so much of our life is lived in those mundane moments mm. and habits really speak to how, how are we stewarding the mundane? Yeah. How are we stewarding the moments between the mountaintops? How mm-hmm. are we, how are we taking care of ordinary life? That's good. It's almost as if like as a church, we tend to approach habits as like heart surgery instead of like eating healthy. So like, Exactly. Example would be That's like a great way to put it. It's like when you have a heart attack, right? Like we slap the habit bandaid of like, well, you should now start eating healthy and exercising. Yep. Whereas if we would have approached it early on and said like, let's incorporate this habit, not as like a bandaid for later, yep. but as a preventative, preventative. Med- measure, mm-hmm. we won't get to the place of heart attack, hopefully. Yep. Right. And yep. so, so much of our approach is the church has been habits as band-aids instead of mm. habits as preventative um and so i think it's really important to look at that i something else that came to mind when you were talking earlier you're talking about how so much of the time when we when someone comes to us and they've struggled with the temptation as a church we tend to be like okay we'll slap this habit mm-hmm. habit i'll check in with you accountability mm-hmm. what we have started doing as a church is a really healthy practice and habit is getting people referred to a counselor yeah and actually that habit in and of itself is doing somewhat if it's a good counselor what we're talking about and that's helping you like really think through like why am i doing this Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's not just because i'm stupid or dumb Mm -hmm. or because like i can't 
manage to like incorporate mm-hmm. healthy habits in my no, like there's a reason why. Yeah. And I think so much of counseling helps us get at those reasons. So much yeah. of therapy helps us do that. And I think as the church, we have to take that principle and we have to apply it to even smaller things. Yeah. Like when somebody comes to us and they're really struggling with um like their identity as a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. or they're really struggling with their like coworkers mm-hmm. at work instead of simply just talking through like okay well here are maybe some helpful things is like getting it's it's like walking somebody through like okay why are we feeling this mm-hmm. way like asking some of the questions that yeah. help us begin getting at like yeah. those stories and those loves that inform yeah those habits and so ways of thinking. Kind of the order that we've put these in our stories, loves and habits in the recognition that the stories are informing and the shaping loves. our loves yeah. and our loves are driving our habits. Yeah. But something interesting about this pattern is you can actually work backwards. Yeah. That with In fact that's how you kind of begin transforming your stories exactly. is by working backwards. By evaluating the daily habits, you kind of begin to reveal your disordered loves. You reveal the the things that you worship and that you care deeply about. And then from there, you can ask the story of where is this narrative coming from? Where is this story being developed? What is what is developing yeah. this, this story in my life? So the, the interesting thing about this pattern is we started with stories, but you can actually begin with habits and work backwards to yeah. get at those those deeper yeah. things in your life. Yeah, kind of going back to this idea of like what role do habits play in church? I think for so long as pastors and all out us as the guilty ones, we focus so much on the temptations mm. and like don't do that. Don't do that. Like our sermons on Sunday like don't be lustful. Yeah. Don't do that. Instead of focusing on habits that prevent us from all of these temptations. And so I think as a church, as we continue to move forward, we really have to begin focusing on talking about habits that we as people who are formed in Jesus need to begin incorporating in our lives to keep some of those things from coming our way. And now, well, these habits, like, are they like a magic pill? No. They're not a silver bullet. No, they're not a silver bullet by any stretch of the imagination. But they do help us and aid us in Mm -hmm. our just struggle of human life. And so, you know, in an effort to kind of maybe talk a little bit more about helpful practices to incorporate in our life, instead of simply just focusing on all of the don'ts of our, our faith, what are some things Mm -hmm. um, that you've found maybe even in your personal life or even habits that you've just observed that you thought, man, this really helps me begin transforming my loves and transforming my stories. This really helps me begin looking more and more like Jesus. Yeah. Something I actually read last night uh, was uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was marrying a young couple and uh, one of the lines he said, just some good just nightly reading, nightly reading. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he said, let marriage sustain your love. Let mm. marriage sustain your love. Let the institution and the commitment that you're making to one another actually carry your zeal, carry your emotions, carry your love. Um, and so it was almost that, that ritual, that, that institution of marriage is actually the thing that's going to carry them the distance, not necessarily the emotion that they feel. Mm. And likewise, I think what we're suggesting is that the habits can be the thing that carry you the distance in obedience to Christ, that your zeal, 
your hype, your um, passion is insufficient for carrying you the distance. Yeah. Like if, if you just look at our day. Because it ebbs and flows. It ebbs and flows. And anyone who suggests that you should be at a 10 every single day. They haven't read the Psalms or Job. They haven't read the (laughs) Psalms or Job and they're not honest with themselves. Yeah. Uh, That's just not how humanity works. We have moments. Nor how Jesus wants us to. Exactly. Yeah. He wants us to have moments. Exactly. Exactly. So in my life, I think I have to create habits and rhythms that have structured freedom Mm. for those spaces of just emotional difference in day in and day out. So Mm. one of the prayers or one of the, I just betrayed it. One of the practices, (laughs) one of the habits, habits is just daily prayer. Yeah. So taking my time in the morning to go through, um, some written prayers, some scripture, um, even in the midst of written prayers, I have, moments of spontaneity i have moments of intercession in which some days are really robust and Mm. long and then other days are really really short yeah because there's just some days i I just don't have the mental and emotional capacity to spend lots of time coming up with things to pray about Mm. and so i actually lean heavily into the written prayers on those days to just trust that lord you're hearing me as i pray that your will would be done on this earth as it is in heaven. I'm yeah. leaning into the prayers of the church. Sure. So I think daily prayer um, and particularly like the written prayers have been really helpful in this. Yeah. Um, instituting a weekly Sabbath, yeah. just the pausing on our work, trusting that my six days of week, I'm entrusting my work to the father mm. and then taking a break on that seventh day. That's good. Um, I think just a, a simple thing, like I have a coffee ritual. We, we joke regularly yeah. <laughs> about, you know, me as a wannabe barista, but there is something I, I look forward to getting out of bed to do the whole, like, I'm, I mean, f- for other coffee aficionados, you know what I'm talking about. You've got your scale, you've got your Chemex, you've got your gooseneck kettle, you're weighing out the beans. Wow, you're really showing your nerdness I know. on here. Yeah. But like it, it, it's doing that habit day in and day out that I, I just kind of become mindful in the morning. You know, I, it, it's kind of an intricate thing. And so I, I come, I'm kind of forced to like focus a little bit. Yeah. And it the, that caffeine obviously wakes me up, but the ritual also caffeine. does something as well and then you know just simple things like you know reading the news in the morning understanding Mm. what's happening in our world um even you know i I do that right after i pray but it also gives me more more things to pray about Mm. it it contextualizes what we need to pray for um so those are just like a, a few things um having coffee with people regularly yeah is an important one um, a pattern, a rhythm, a ritual. I don't know that I necessarily have, you know, every day, every Tuesday at this time, a meeting with someone, but that's just a regular rhythm in our life that we're meeting with friends over a cup of coffee or over good food mm. and just talking about life, talking about following Jesus, talking about what's happening. And it's in those moments that we get to share life with someone that's a really healthy um, habit, a really healthy rhythm. Uh, what other what other things? I mean, there's there are literally an infinite number of habits that we could talk about. But what are some of the, like your top ones? Yeah, I mean, something that I 
incorporate into my daily practice and what's called actually daily office, um, which is like kind of how we pray daily, um, is confession. And Mm. I was really turned off by it when I first started doing the practice and um it took me a while to come around to it but I did see value in it so for those of you who don't know what the confession is um if you haven't grown up in like a Catholic or Anglican type of context or environment or if you haven't you're like having PTSD right now hear me out um the confession is essentially this prayer that I recite day in and day out and I'll actually read it for you here It's uh, this most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I've not loved you with my whole heart. I've not loved you, loved my neighbor as myself. I am truly sorry and I humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And, um, you know, obviously like us feeling the need to repent day in and day off. It felt like very legalistic to me at mm. first, like a very legalistic habit to say. Um, I grew up with the theology as, you know, a, a young girl, nothing that my parents imparted on me, but something I just picked out up from a few people that were around me that like, I couldn't even mess up once. Mm. Right. And, uh, with, and if I did, if I messed up once, I had to immediately forgive or else if Jesus came back between my messing up and mm. my forgiveness, I would go straight to hell, which is a horrible theology horrible way to and think one about of completely devoid yeah. of grace. Yeah. And so that being said, though, this prayer of confession honestly reminded me of that, of those, that moment of that mm. theology. Um, and so it made me very resistant to that habit at first. But what I slowly started to realize about the confession is part of the reason why it grated on my nerves a little bit is because I like to think of myself as like a person without sin and fault. (laughs) (laughs) What a brutal reminder. And what a daily brutal but loving reminder. Like if you really listen to that prayer, loving reminder that like I do not reflect Jesus in my thoughts, in my words, in my deed every day. And so much of being able to grow in my spiritual walk is mm-hmm. being able to acknowledge I don't do those things well. Yeah. And uh, I was actually, again, I'm bringing up this book again, but I, I love it dearly. So um, you should pick it up. But The Liturgy of the Ordinary by Tish Harrison Warren. She actually talks about how she she's a, a woman pastor in the Anglican church. And so they actually recite the confession every Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. A practice that Alex and I will be incorporating as we continue to meet um, as a church. Uh, and we do in microchurch, but, um, she had a friend like kind of hate that they did that. Like, why are you doing that? It feels so accusatory to everybody walking in. And she responded to her friend, like this confession is not a desire to like be accusatory. Of not you. to bring guilt. It's not to bring guilt or shame, but rather for you to remember, not just that we as a community are in this together by sinning in thought and word and deed day in and day out. Mm. But for somebody else to pronounce God's forgiveness Mm. over you. And in no way does like a priest or a pastor ever impart God's forgiveness over you. Like God ultimately does that. But sometimes we need to be reminded day in and day off that we are a forgiven community in Christ Jesus. And the only way that we can do that is by remembering that we consistently mm. sin in thought and word and deed. And so that practice in and of itself has been 
really just transformative for my spiritual walk and my spiritual growth and mm-hmm. my ability to really begin thinking through some of those stories, loves, and habits because I'm forced to confront the fact that although I was not cognizantly aware of it, I messed up, mm. you know? Yeah, and as something you, like, you want to avoid regularly. Yeah. You want, like, so much of, of our life is is spent trying to... Position, yeah. position ourselves as God yeah. and the confession forces you to go, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not the perfect one. I'm actually the sin filled one yeah. um, in need of forgiveness. And then we're reminded also that we are the forgiven people. Yeah. And that we're not in it alone. We're not in it alone. Yeah. And you're right. The the priest, the pastor, or the church is not the arbitrator or the giver no. of forgiveness, Mm-mm. forgiveness, but they can be the communicator. Yeah. They can be yeah. on behalf of God speaking this yeah. over our lives. And there's something so profound about that. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're talking through just, uh, you know, a couple of our own habits. But I think it's worth noting that the, the habits between two Christians do not have to look anything alike. Yeah. In fact, they probably shouldn't. They probably should Yeah. It, so much of this needs to be contextualized yeah. to your own life into your own schedule which is probably where you messed up a little bit in church yeah is is, we made it like a structured a b c everybody does this yeah and and there are some things like prayer no christian should have a life without prayer no christian should be absent of taking in the scriptures to some degree or another but the way in which we do that but the way in which that's done i believe there's a lot of just latitude and flexibility and freedom and the beauty of being a people that says the spirit is still speaking, the spirit is still active, is to say that the spirit is working with and next to each one of us, yeah. helping reveal, you know, the ways in which we can adjust, the ways in which we can incorporate new habits yeah. and, and new rhythms. Yeah, I mean, a great example of that would be just even in our relationship. You read large chunks of scripture every day. Mm-hmm. You remind me, you read a psalm a day. You psalm, read a gospel, a gospel and a gospel reading mm-hmm. each day. Um, and for me, I read very short portions of scripture, um, in sequential order, but short, uh, like sections for the most part in a practice called Lecto Divina, which specifically is like to help you reflect, ponder, and ask what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, um, within the context of like a few verses, not for the purpose of like giving a sermon on it, but for your person, like for the purpose of personal edification Mm -hmm. and growth and to be able to listen to what the Holy Spirit may be speaking through you. It's like the living word of God component. Right. And so, um, even just in our own practices of reading scripture, we vary drastically, but that doesn't necessarily mean one of our habits is wrong. It's just the difference in our relationship with Jesus and how we express our friendship and devotion to him. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Midtown Church Weekly Podcast. To find out more or to join a church gathering, check out our website at midtownkc.church.